time it wasn't really a startup. I just saw this cool DJ thing. I was like, I want to buy one. It was the big touchscreen uh, video, you know, touch controller thing. I was like, what is this? Yeah. I wanted to buy it. And I went to Guitar Center. I went to Long Quaid. I went all around the world. Nobody had ever even heard of it. And I found the guy who made the software. Huh. His name's Pablo Martin. He lives in Argentina. And I said, Pablo, let, you know, I'll fund it. Let's go. We were all in. Um, and when I mean all in, I mean, we you borrowed money against of, our house. A tattoo of glass next I, to the tattoo I got, of the tattoo. Uh, not only did I get that, but oh. I got a tattoo of the logo. Amazing. And then uh, we brought on the wrong investor. We were on Dragon's Den. And we ended up getting a deal on Dragon's Den. It was all hype. And then the day that it aired, yeah. he, this investor forced my wife out of our own company. Yeah, and he stole the company. So we ended up losing not only the company, but our house and our, all our money and wow. pretty much everything. Yeah, we went completely tits up. Founded in 2017, StartWell is Toronto's independent hub for innovators to collaborate. Our podcasts relate perspectives from the world's most diverse urban population to reflect unique insights into global business, media, and culture. Alan Smithson? It is. Welcome to the studio. This is uh, once again an episode of the Startwell podcast. And we're going to keep it brief because today I ran late on a meeting and ruined our schedule. You know, sometimes you just got to go. Just go. It's go not about it. how long the conversation is. It's about how much goodness comes out of their mouths. Amazing. Um, okay, you do a bunch of stuff. I do. You've done a bunch of stuff. I have. We Before we pressed record, we were talking about music a little bit. You mm -hmm. saw my turntables in our producer's booth. And I have a, the edge of a 1200 turntable is a bunch of dots on it that keeps the speed, that shows you the speed of the record. Yeah. I have that tattooed on my arm. Wow. Yeah. You were really uh, gung-ho. Gung <laughs> I was all in. Getting a tattoo of your logo, not a good idea. What's the craziest place you've DJed? <laughs> Ooh, uh, Eden Ibiza. Uh, in Ibiza, there's a club. Well, I think it's gone now, but there was a club, super club, 5,000 people. And I played this event called the Pornographic Party. And it wow. was a pornographic label. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever. It's just a label. No, it was full on. Everyone was full uh, schlong. It was full on. 5,000 people long. in a club. And there was a show. And it it was crazy. Ibiza. I was DJing and, and I I looked on stage at one point. I went, oh, Wow. That's very graphic. Yeah, it's always funny when you look up from the mixer, you're really into the mix, and then you look up and you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. I've why? Been, why? Have I been here for <laughs> a whole night already? Yeah. Um, it's only 11, and people are have no clothes on. What happened? And then <laughs> the... Okay, so wait, what kind of beats? You said all sorts of beats you used to be um, DJ. I kind of started off doing, you know, I, I DJed at school, university, and I uh, played where, the bar and the club. So I did like... Where was this? What university? Uh, university of Guelph. Okay. So I played the on-campus bar and the club. So on Thursday nights, it was the pub. Friday nights was ladies' 80s night. Saturdays was the club night. So I did that for three years in university. And then out of there, I played uh, Filthy McNasty's in Waterloo. Okay. I had a residency there forever. A pub. That's a pub. It is a pub, club, bar thing. I mean, okay. they put the DJ right in the middle of the dance floor, yeah. which... Seemed like a good idea until it wasn't. It's <laughs> like, wait a yeah. second. Stop bumping the table. Stop bumping the table. <laughs> oh, man. They didn't have glass up. So everybody just put their drinks. The first week, it was drinks everywhere. I'm like, uh, this is a bad idea. We'll put some plexiglass here. <laughs> and that led to starting a startup. It did. And, and at the time, it wasn't really a startup. I just saw this cool DJ thing. I was like, I want to buy one. It was the big touchscreen 
uh, video, you know, touch controller thing. I was like, what is this? And yeah. I wanted to buy it. And I went to Guitar Center. I went to Long and McQuaid. I went all around the world. Nobody had ever even heard of it. At the time. So the where did you see this? I saw it on a YouTube video. Somebody sent it to me. Wow. And at the time it was super cool because it only had 30,000 views. And that video ended up getting 8 million views. So it kickstarted the company. I found the guy who made the software. Huh. His name's Pablo Martin. He lives in Argentina. And I said, Pablo, let, you know, I'll fund it. Let's go. And so we, I ended up building the hardware and software with my wife, Julie, and, and our team here in, in Canada. And he built the software and basically told us how to build it. He's like, go buy these parts and put it together. And so yeah. we glued it all together and we ended up selling 500 emulator units around the world. And these were mainly like special performance devices for big name DJs, or yeah. at least, right? Yeah, we worked with Armin Van Buren, uh, Linkin Park, uh, Infected Mushroom, Morgan Page. Um, <clears throat> Jean-Michel Jarre just used it recently uh, in 2020, actually, at his big concert in Notre Dame before it burnt down. Nice. Um, yeah, he did a whole virtual concert. It's really cool. Look up Jean-Michel Jarre, New Year's Eve 2020. Is incredible. It was like a full-on virtual concert in, in wow. Notre Dame, and they used our emulator in that. So this is, okay, this is a touch control device that at the time, when it, am I It came right? out before the iPad in yeah, 2010. This is the thing. That's what I was going to say. 46-inch like, see-through touchscreen, full multi-touch before the iPad was out. And uh, and then where did that go? Like in terms of a, a primary business, I'm sure you were very vested in it and you were focused on it for a few years there. We were all in. Um, and when I mean all in, I mean, we borrowed money against of, our house. A tattoo of glass next I, to the tattoo I got, of the church. Uh, not only did I get that, but oh. I got a tattoo of the logo. Wow. On it my, says emulator. Yeah. So we changed the logo. That is. That was the old logo. I got amazing. it. Amazing. And then uh, we brought on the wrong investor. Yeah. Um, in there. Yeah. And he stole the company. So we ended up losing not only the company, but our house and our, all our money and wow. pretty much everything. Yeah. We went completely tits up. And what was the process of decline in terms of timeline? Like, um, did so shit just disappear quick? It was about a year. Okay. Uh, so in, in May of um, 2014, we were on Dragon's Den. And we ended up getting a deal on Dragon's Den. It was all hype. And then the day that it aired, yeah. he, this investor forced my wife out of our own company. Wow. On the same day. So imagine it aired across Canada. And people are, you know, congratulating us. Oh, amazing. like... Yeah, <laughs> literally like, oh shit. And we of course ghosts. you can't say anything because you're trying to keep the business going. And anyway, it all fell apart in, in uh, late, uh, late 2014. But, yeah. but I actually had the opportunity to go perform on the emulator at uh, a thing called Curiosity Camp. Okay. It was put on by Eric Schmidt. And it's a tech camp for entrepreneurs, investors, and PhDs, and a bunch of nerdy people. Yeah. They get together in this camp. It's like camp camp. I mean, you drive for an hour into the bush. Oh, fun. And there's no Wi-Fi, no cell service. And it's like you have these great conversations with, you know, some of the people building the, the biggest tech companies in the world. Um, and I performed there. And then in a little tiny tent in the middle of nowhere, I tried VR for the first time. I had this kind of like, here, try this big bulky thing with these big headphones and put it on. I was like, okay, what is this stupid thing? I You're put like, it on. I'm going to throw up. Oh, my God. I sat there. I, I, I'll never forget. I was sitting there and I looked and, and I was like, holy crap, I'm at a concert. Like I'm in a tent in the middle of nowhere and I put this on and now I'm in a concert Wow! and I'm looking down at the stage and the stage is, you know, way down there. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then the guy's like, no, 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 look around. He pushed my shoulder and I was like, oh, I can look everywhere. And then he hit a button and put me on stage Amazing. and I was standing on stage next to Beck yeah. and now Beck is, is passed away. But you know, that was my first experience in VR. And I, when I left that experience, I took it off and it was this kind of moment. Wait, where, Odile Beck? Yeah. 
He passed away? Yeah. Wasn't he young? Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Or poor people around him. Yeah. I'm sure he's in a better place. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, recently. A couple months ago. I have a five-year-old. So I'm kind of tapped out of everything that's newsworthy. So you're into newsworthy. like, you know, I, I don't even know what's cool for five-year-olds anymore. Is Adora still a thing or Yeah, Barney my or? daughter never really Do you know there's Dory? Barney Nikes coming out? What? Like purple Nikes? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'd actually wear those. Right? Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of fun, man. You know? Although Barney was a copycat of like the guy from McDonald's, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Grimace. Like Grimace. Grimace the Lunch Hungry. <laughs> yeah. Bring him back. Yeah, where's Grimace? You know, was he an eggplant or a monster? Well, I don't know. That would be too healthy if he was an eggplant from McDonald's. Right? But we digress. Um, so, okay, so you're at this camp with these tech visionaries and you discover virtual reality. You experience it for the first time. Not only do I experience it, but it literally had a, a profound effect on me. I, I pulled it off and it was that kind of... I was in a tent and then I was in a concert and then I pulled it off and put it back on. I was like, holy crap. Like what? You know, imagine that I've never seen this before. Nobody's ever heard of VR at this time. This is like 2014 early. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be the future of human communication. This is how we communicate moving forward. Um, I jumped right in because, you know, we had a, a, a catastrophe at our work and everything fell apart and I got fired from my own company. That was fun. Um, and then I just started an XR company, or at the time, virtual reality company. So at the time, I thought it was just 360 video. So we went and 3D printed a 360 camera rig, and we put GoPros in it and went around and filmed a bunch of stuff. We've, the first thing we filmed was the Groove Cruise. And the, the Groove, Groove Cruise, Cruise. Yeah, the Groove Cruise is a buddy of mine's, uh, it's called Wet Travel. And what they do is they rent a cruise ship. Like this year is the 20th anniversary and they've re rented a billion dollar cruise ship. Whoa. So the, I think there's like 3,500 people. They booked the whole thing out. The whole thing. So it's a, like a rave for adults basically. Wow. <clears throat> and it goes for three days down to the Caribbean and it's it's full out for four days. Crazy. It's four days, yeah. Crazy. It's so good. And we filmed and it in 360. We filmed all of it. And, this is and, like the first gen GoPros. Oh yeah. Right. Like we were literally... You know, you'd have to spin the camera because there was no key lock. There was, you know, you'd have to stitch the, the images together. It was a pain in the ass. Wow. And then uh, a couple of years later, this uh, Samsung came out with their little GoPro or their little camera, their yep. little sphere one. It was yep. a 360 camera. We ordered it from Korea. We got the first ones in North America. And I remember filming with it and we tried it in VR. I was like, holy crap, this one stupid little camera, it, it does it exactly what we're doing yeah. over here. All that hard work. All that stuff. And it's instant and it gives me a preview on my phone. Like... Okay, this is going to be a race to zero. Yeah, because you know, once you have this, so we ended up buying, I don't know, I think we bought fifty of those cameras, right. and we just sent them everywhere, wow. going a mountain, underwater, doesn't matter, just film everywhere. We melted one, we put one fell into the ocean. <laughs> oh yeah, one <laughs> fell off a car at high speed. We filmed lions. Amazing. Yeah, we filmed uh, up here. There's um, a lion preserve oh. um, uh, up here. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say you went back it, to my home. No, I used Canada. to live in Kenya. Oh wow. And so I grew up on Well, safari. we brought some lions from Kenya, I'm amazing, sure. Amazing, amazing. I don't know if they're having a great time here in Canada. It's freezing. But uh, but yeah, we filmed this thing and we ended up raising uh, about $50,000 for this lion um, habitat here in, in Pickering. Oh. Yeah, it was really so you cool. Went, okay, so then the idea was... I got to was, film with baby lions. Like I was in the cage with baby lions. Amazing. Filming. Like, it's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. And we destroyed a camera that way too. It, it clawed it. <laughs> really? That's yeah. wicked. We got a video and it just goes, poof. it's just playing with it. And it just knocked it out of my hand. <laughs> so from kind of figuring, experiencing it, figuring out 360 recording uh, and the software that's required in order to stitch it all together and going deep into that tech to then content. 
Was yeah. this what happened? Well, what we realized, my goal was never to, to build a content studio or a production studio. It was really to build a, 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 I only had three recommendations. My three things were it needed to be scalable, repeatable, and generate recurring revenue. I didn't care what it was. Yeah. Scalable, repeatable, recurring revenue. And so with that eyeball, we just did everything. And we actually even had a thing, we do everything, like EVR, <laughs> everything. everything. Um, so we everything. did VR, we did AR, we did web AR. We built a VR photo booth for Samsung to mm -hmm. promote their cameras and their headsets. We launched that in New York um, uh, at their A37 store and in LA at the same time. And we're supposed to be in every mall in America, this, this VR Pandemic. photo booth. It was the size of this room, actually. It was about 10 by 10 by 10. And you could go take a picture with this camera, see yourself in VR, share it with your friends. And then the Note 7s exploded. Oh. Yeah, so that whole program got canceled. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we've had a bunch of these kind of great, woo, we're ready to go, and then... Boom. Yeah. So over the last, I guess since 2015, when we really started, kicked off the company, uh, we've done about 185 projects across wow. VR, you know, AR, 3D, games, you name it. Uh, but it was all uh, marketing, retail training, that type of thing. Right. But our ultimate goal has nothing to do with that. The ultimate goal is to really build a new education system for the ah, world. I like this. Okay. Yeah. So this was our... our Let's dig into <laughs> this. <laughs> well, what happened was as I was losing, as Julie and I were losing, so Julie got fired from our company. I yeah. got fired from our company. As we're, that's happening at yeah. the exact same time. And we were part of the Ryerson Digital Media Zone. And, so and we had its a, inception. The sec, we were the second cohort. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Second cohort of, of DMZ. But we had the support group around us. And at the exact same time we were losing our company, our 11-year-old mm -hmm. daughter at the time had invented sandals that leave a heart-shaped tan line on top of your feet called the love sandal. That's amazing. Amazing. So cute. Right? And so wow. she got coached by the president of Aldo and the Aldo team helped her design them. And then we had them made in China. We brought them in. She sold 3,000 pairs of shoes over the next two years. Yeah, 11-year-old. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Daughter it, of two entrepreneurs. It was the combination of... Are losing our company and seeing that a young person could grow a company like that. Right. It was that combination. I was Reinvigorated like, okay, you. I wonder if we could create a new system to prepare humanity, and not just people in Canada, but yeah. everybody, yeah. for the un, uh, you know upcoming technological innovation revolution. In, yeah. I mean, we're entering in double exponentials now. AI changes the game completely. And I knew this back then. I had been studying you know technologies. I actually did a TED talk back in, I actually don't remember, 2016, 17, somewhere Yeah, like. it was like a different life. Yeah, it's called pre-pandemic, <laughs> pre -pandemic, right? We were just talking about this. But we did the TED talk and the TED talk was the marriage of technology and education. Mm. And really, you know, at what grade level in Canada anyway, do we teach AI? Mm -hmm. We don't, mm -hmm. but here it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know. And kids, you know, and this is the interesting thing. You're right. Like kids... Kids are learning outside of school, I would expect, at a far greater pace than inside of classrooms because the education system isn't agile, isn't programmed to be agile. And a lot of responsibilities on educators who are professional educators. They're not necessarily out there in the field learning cool things. Yep. So it's, a, it's And kind the of a average teacher age is in the 60s. It's crazy. Is that true? Yeah. Across Canada and the public sector? Uh, all across North America. Wow. Yeah. It's nuts. So like people that graduated 40 years ago are teaching our kids what to learn. Yeah. And to be honest, we're in a different world. AI, as of November 30th, 2022, the world changed. When ChatGPT came out, I stayed up all night. I literally stayed up all Just night. Querying it? I was sitting on my phone. I was like, okay, this is, whoa, yeah. wh whoa. What else can it do? Whoa. 
I stayed up all night writing queries. Yeah. At the time, it didn't save your queries, so I wish it did. But I had all of the, I just went nuts on it. And yeah. then I left for the airport in the morning. And I remember the last thing I sent, I sent a link to my kids and I said, you will never write another essay again. Use this. But caveat, you must understand what you submit before you submit it. Okay. So use the technology because it's there. And if you don't use it, you're going to fall behind. Yeah. And my, I'm happy to report my kids are getting 80s. Thanks to ChatGPT. Wow. Yeah. You hacker, you. I mean, it's here. And then you've got, you know, New York State banning, you know, banning AI in schools. Well, Have is, they? Yeah, they tried. That I doesn't don't even make sense. Like all this thing, everyone is so out of their depth. I think this is a big part of this exponentiality question is like how relevant um, infrastructure has been to society. Like people are entrenched in infrastructure and technological infrastructure for their livelihood and for like, okay, so I'm helping my wife update her WordPress website this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I hit so many walls with just explaining a front end editor and the difference between like a Microsoft Word document and the web and dynamic information versus static information. And it got frustrating for me because I was It's like, frustrating for everybody. Right. You know, but again, it's about infrastructure. And that's like a dumb example. Well, of, this is why Canva is a $40 billion company. Right. And all these years, being the stupid technologist that I have been, I'm like, Canva, oh, just use Photoshop. Learn this stuff. Because if you learn it, you could do so much. And then everyone's like, but I can do so much without learning anything. Drag and drop, baby. Man. Oh, take an image, put it in, drop the background out, put a new background in, psh, psh, done. I got an invite. I use Canva all the time. It's right. great. I I had Photoshop. I used it. I'm like, eh. It's yeah. like, and there's so many examples of this. Like, of course, unfortunately, with the Zoom revolution, you know, someone, everyone's decided Zoom is better than, you know, what was Skype 20 years ago. I mean, right? Isn't but like it the chroma keying and the fact that it's instant green screen anywhere, even though it looks like shit, but it's it works. It's not bad now. They've fixed it. It's better than it was. Yeah. I mean, you can still see, you know, again, white in between the fingers and stuff. The AI is going to help everything get better at everything. being easier to use. So how do we, how do we prepare humanity for the exponential growth of everything? is really what it comes down to. And it's not around, look, the school system is great at teaching you geography and math and science and social studies and these types of things. What it's not great at doing and what it fails to do is mm -hmm. prepare you for financial uh, literacy, right. investing, uh, mindfulness, gratitude, positivity, marketing, email uh, etiquette, communication skills, um, preparing a proposal, using AI. Mm -hmm. leveraging the tools. It mm -hmm. doesn't prepare us for that. And so what we want to do is create a new education system that leverages the technologies as they come on to deliver that. So what technologies in our world right now are being used in our education system? Is the education system in Ontario or in where we live now, are they using AI to help students? No, they're actually trying to prevent it. Yeah, they're using so, like IBM XTs. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> Windows 98 with Clippy. Clippy. Clippy's back. Someone was Bing Bing GPT. Someone was so inspired by a talk I gave once at a Drupal conference, mm -hmm. open source CMS, um, that they created uh, Kasumi or something. It was like Clippy for Drupal, but with like my face on it. I was so awesome. proud. I was so proud that I inspired someone to do something like that. But anyway, um, I digress. I think this is fascinating because 
if it doesn't come from the private sector, it's unlikely to happen quickly from the public fast sector. Fast enough. It won't happen fast. And actually, to be honest, when I realized um, we tried to change the system locally, so we, we got involved in our children's schools, we went to the, you know, the, the actual school meetups, mm-hmm. and then we moved up to the kind of the, uh, the board level, and then we tried to you know, impact at the provincial level, at the mm. education uh, system level. And we realized that this system was designed not to change. It's literally designed not to change. You know, when when the Minister of Education um, can't make changes to the color of a pencil, the system is not going to change. So right. it was the combination of seeing our daughter successful with her company, losing our company, seeing what's coming in technology. We were like, okay, well, we can do better than this. And we can create something that isn't just for Canadians, isn't just for Ontarians, mm-hmm. but for the world. And and the only way to do that is to allow people to appear as themselves, but as avatars in a virtual world. So that way we're not judging you based on sex, skin color, race, uh, geographic location. Mm-hmm. Everybody's treated equally and given access to knowledge equally. And uh, YouTube has been a great equalizer for this. But what if we could create a place where people can show up, almost like Roblox, but you show up and you meet people because education is one thing, but the network that you build, that's why you pay, you know, a, hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to go to Harvard. It's yeah, not yeah. for the education. It's right. for the lo- the logo on your resume. And the network. And the network. The network is the key. So this is a virtual environment. Um, is there something specifically unique or interesting about how content's delivered through it? Yeah. So this is why we built Metaverse. Metaverse is literally, we acquired the technology in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, called Cherry 3D, which became the Metaverse engine. And it's completely web-based and works on all devices. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no app required. So oh. we bypass the app stores altogether. So OpenGL? It's WebGL. It's our own version of it. So okay. we created our own um, 3D rendering pipeline. So we built our own 3D model format. We built our own uh, conversion system. So you can drop in any 3D model format. It just automatically converts it. Wow. And we made it as low code as possible. You can code in JavaScript. You can build, you know, you can take your CSS code, put it in. You can put HTML HUDs. Hmm. But really... It's as drag and drop as humanly possible. I, I'm not a coder myself, right? But I, you know, I can use the system That's and amazing. I can build stuff, really, you know, advanced stuff. So we focused on training, marketing, retail, and now we're focusing on uh, meetings and conferences as well uh, in this virtual world. Mm-hmm. And the reason why those are all kind of, it sounds like, oh wow, you're trying to boil the ocean, but no, training and marketing is the same thing. You're training somebody on how to use or uh, learn about a product or you're convincing somebody to buy the product. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. If you look at it in 3D, the animations are the same, the graphics are the same. You just change the change the word panels, maybe some videos. It's the same thing. And so if you can master marketing and training, I mean, you can have cross-pollination between the two. So we, we've worked with like Samsung and Siemens and uh, MasterCard and JP Morgan and all these big companies on their training and their marketing. And so now we're, we're building actually, the third phase of it is retail. And so we're building the world's largest virtual mall on our platform. Is linear, uh, like 2D content delivered through the, you know, metaverse, yeah. your metaverse? Yeah, you can. So once you're in the 3D world, yeah. you can have 2D videos. You can have any anything 2D drops in easy. Right. But you can also have any website in the world inside the 3D world. So you can right. walk up to a big screen. And it could be a website, and you can interact with it. Mm-hmm. So we've really pushed the limits of what's possible with this technology. Um, you know, we were able to push millions of polygons in a mobile browser without an app. So what do you think is, is the near future, like any particular uh, things that are on your milestone list for rolling this out or looking for adoption specifically? I guess this adoption has been a big question yeah. in this world, right? 
So we we are just starting to go from innovation to operations with uh, with a couple of our clients. So mm-hmm. we've been doing kind of a bunch of trials, you know, over here on the innovation side. And one of the things that startups do well is they get that, you know, get into the foot of the innovation. So you're, you're dealing with a big company, you're dealing with the innovation, you build these all these prototypes and pilots and POCs. The hard part is taking that and bringing it into operations. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the missing part between startups and scale-ups. Sure. And so we're in that kind of messy middle right now where we're going from, hey, we've done all these POCs and pilots and, you know, you don't want to get stuck in pilot pur- purgatory. It's yeah, yeah. awful. Yeah. So what we're doing now is we're in between there. We just partnered with Microsoft. Um, we're partnering with Microsoft and KPMG. We're, we're doing quotes for um, Accenture now. Like we've kind of entered into the enterprise level uh, of everything. So mm-hmm. we actually designed the, the system. When we acquired the technology, it was built f- with what we knew at the time. And so when we launched in 2020, we landed all these big clients, and then they said, "Oh, well, does it do this? Does it do this? Does it, what about security protocols? What about this? What about single sign-ons and da 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 da? Multiple users, multiple editors, da da." And we're like, "Oh crap, we didn't build it right." Mm-hmm. So for the last two and a half years, we rebuilt it from scratch. Okay, we took the rendering core out and rebuilt the entire infrastructure, and it is built with enterprise grade everything. It's interesting because fundamentally, yeah, it, it needs to be browser-based if it's going to be globally adoptable. Yep. Um, and all of this learning is is certainly going to make for a product that's more, you know, um, what do you call it? palatable, adoptable. Uh, and you're talking about the corporate applications, then education and children. What's the plan? Well, if you can serve the needs of an enterprise grade solution, then because they're basically children, they're basically children <laughs> that were they undereducated. Have, they have really stringent requirements yeah. for security, for privacy. For, like if you can meet all of Microsoft and oh Siemens We've and, been through and procurement Samsung Microsoft. Yeah. and MasterCard, if you can yeah. meet the, the security requirements of these companies, right. yeah. which we now have built our system to meet those requirements, yeah. we built it from scratch to, to meet those. If you can meet those requirements, you're training children around the world is, is amazing mm-hmm. because now you've got the, the best of everything in your product. If it's good enough for Microsoft, it's going to be good enough for a kid in Africa to join on his phone. Well, it's interesting because hearing the arc of your kind of like career experience uh, in tech and how you've followed media, really, and emergent media, uh, I'm I'm excited to actually, you know, play with your platform. I think this is going to have a lot You want to give it a try? Yeah. Here, let's do it. Wow. Your phone is two phones. It's a fold. I don't even... It's a fold. Have those come out? Again, my child is five years old. Right. So, Alan, show me what, what what do you have in front of you? All right. So, on my phone here, and and the reason why I wanted to put it on my phone and also the screen, we'll we'll do a, a quick demo for you. Yeah. Is our Metaverse engine, and this actually uh, is a representation of a training simulator that we did for our client. Uh, it's a medical device company. This is not their product because mm-hmm. obviously we can't show uh, their product because of uh, confidentiality. But the idea here is that. You now have the ability on a mobile phone over a browser. I'm just running in a, a browser tab, is, if you can see that from above. I don't know. Uh, maybe you can see it's in a browser tab. Yeah. But the idea here is that it's fully interactable um, you know, wow. uh, in 3D, and I can now zoom right in. That's incredible. Um, we don't have any loss of fidelity. We take it from the CAD models. So there's it's actually accurate to the manufacturing that's CAD. That's large data. Like That's huge. Wow. We actually have to take it and you know, <laughs> jettison a bunch of stuff because it, you know, there's bits and pieces in here, screws, nuts, bolts. There's all sorts of stuff inside of a product. Right. Um, when you're training somebody on on this product, you don't necessarily need all the bells and whistles, right? So 
it, part of the part of the process is taking the CAD models from manufacturing and making them simple so that anybody can do this. And so you know, I'm able to hit this uh, you know overview, get a, an understanding of the product, and I'm going to switch to the to the screen up here. Yeah, let's go for it. So that we can um, see it on the big screen. Exactly. So what you're going to see here is the ability uh, to zoom in and zoom out of a product. And of course, this is like we're looking at it in a browser, but it can be. You can interact with this through a headset, right? Yeah, of course. It's it's VR, AR, it's 3D, right? So you can, you know, m most of our clients haven't really requested VR yet, um, just simply because of the scale. Uh, they want to make sure that it just gets in the hands of everybody. So one of the things that we're, we're you know, uniquely positioned to do is create these experiences and deliver them over the web. So you mm -hmm. don't have to build an iOS version. You don't right. have to build an Android version and a desktop version and then a VR version. It works on everything it and globally, like exactly. instantly available globally. Exactly. So if I go overview here, and I'm actually going to switch into night mode because nobody wants the, the brightness of a daytime mode. And what you'll notice here is I'm able to now um, have this you know product. I can learn about it. I can, you know, let's maybe click down here at the bottom and we can learn about uh, the disk storage, right? So any part of this product, you can just click in and learn. Um, and then we have what's what's called teach, try, test. Or, sorry, teach, test, try. But we can also do this. You know, we've got a full exploded view because we have the I CAD like models, right? Yeah, break down each component. So this can be used for so many different things. Right. If you've got a piece of hardware that's going to be used for an end user versus a technician, you know, someone's going to repair it, exactly. maintain it. Exactly. Wow. So usage, repair, replace, even right down to the screws. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, you know, we're able to do this with pretty much any product. I really want to get IKEA because, you know, I had to build a dresser drawer the other day. With a piece like, of paper. Oh, my God. And then you always throw the piece of paper out and you realize, <laughs> I have 5,000 of the same Allen key in my, like, spilling through my kitchen drawers. Yeah. And, uh, so we've, we've got this uh, process that we created of teach, try, test. And the idea is that you can teach people anything you want. And you'll notice here, I don't know if the audio will come through, but I'm going to teach you how to repair uh, the power supply. Yeah, there's no audio. But yeah, we've we killed, have an, an we've AI. killed it on this That's fine. Here. We have an AI that reads the, the audio, so you can have it in any language. You can have these text panels here in any language. Nice. And then you go step-by-step -step instructions on, okay... Uh, so step one, you've got to remove those screws. Yeah. Step two, pull the panel off. This is incredible. Step three, pull the power out, obviously. Step four, these two screws. And so for the uh, that overlay, which is text, yeah. I mean, you could have multimedia in there, right? You could oh, have yeah, like video, audio. You can actually have a real-time person explain it to you as well. It's multiplayer. Really? Yeah. You could have a live video session in there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Not only live video, but like... You can have an avatar of somebody come up. So you could be in a room together, walk around to a machine, learn how to fix it. You group people. You can, yeah. Amazing. It's, it's like a modern day video game uh, platform, but we've focused on enterprise application. So now you put the new power supply back in. Is this well, kind of technology being used on the next piece of it, which is like you instruct something in this virtual environment and then it tells the robots to do it in human life? Like I was thinking about this, just going going back to my own career experience at um, SoftLayer IBM, you know, in our cloud infrastructure company, um, it would have made sense to have when we're deploying like custom um, built machines, mm -hmm. custom server hardware, mm -hmm. someone kind of like remotely controlling visually the configuration. For the, the answer robot. is it can be done. Nobody's done it yet. Okay, um, but we have bi-directional communication. It's just web-based, so it's everything's JavaScript. So we focus on kind of like training, you know, but 
the training could be bi-directional. So right. you could be like, uh, maybe you're in a, you know, an office in New York controlling a machine in, exactly. know, in Pennsylvania. Amazing. Um, you could literally go to the machine and say, Hey, I need to interact with this. We well, haven't done that yet. Um, but like you said, I mean, it can be done. The, like even that, what we're looking at is a, um, you know, that scan mm -hmm. could be live data from an actual machine. Of course. Amazing. Yeah, yeah we have bi-directional communication. So one of the things that we do, we're building a virtual mall, as I, I told you. Actually, I'll pull that up. Yeah. Um, we're building a mall called The Mall, of course, because, you know. In Nairobi, when, when I was growing up and I was a teenager, there was a mall called The Mall. No in kidding. An area called Westlands. And it was like, had the best Indian restaurant that I've ever been to. The best Mughalai nice. Indian cuisine in the world. Nice. The so mall. this is The Mall. Um, it's the world's largest virtual mall. And we just announced our brand partnership uh, on floor two of the mall. So the mall is 100 floors. It's a big building. And each floor is a million square feet. Mm. It's virtual. So why not? You know, we had to pick a number. We're like, million square feet sounds oh reasonable. God. And then we realized, holy crap, that's the size of a convention center. Yeah. So we, we just partnered with uh, Mars Wrigley, and they're going to be doing the Juicy Verse in the mall. And here, I'll just put that up, and you can take a look at that. It's just a quick loop. But yeah, we're building the Juicy Verse, which will be uh, launched in April uh, 2023. And that's super cool. It's like a mini video game where you get to go and uh, get your t-shirt uh, of the, you know, and you can create your own um, experience. Okay. So we built a, there's a t-shirt, there's a show, there's all sorts of things. It'll be really cool. It's like super fun. And you can build your own art piece using our engine, using this drag and wow. drop out of uh, Starburst pieces. And then you can <laughs> mint it as an NFT. It's all through this same yeah. app. So this will be the first, wow. um, uh, this will be the first experience where... Uh, you can go from physical, so they have a, a display in a store with a yeah. QR code, takes you into the mall virtually, then you do all the experiences, it gives you another NFT, which you can then, it goes directly into your Apple Google wallet, doesn't matter, so you don't have to remember a seed phrase and all this craziness. Right. So it takes you directly into that, and then you can take that into the store and get a free pair, package of Starburst. Really? So That's so cool. From physical to digital, back to physical. Back to physical. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That is so exciting. Without having to do with the wallets and all that stupid right, things. It's just yeah. instant. It goes into your Google wallet. Amazing. So yeah, let me show you another experience here. So we've been doing all sorts of cool stuff. We've done, like I said before, about 185 projects. Um, this was one we launched last summer um, for Monaco Art Week. And what it is, is a full museum. Uh, so the people that built this with us, that own they own floor 21 of the mall. Okay. And they're going to be building... Your tenants. Our tenants in the mall. And... They are the largest collectors of uh, private artifacts, uh, cultural artifacts in the world. So In real life. In real life, yeah. So they, they have uh, over 55,000 artifacts. Um, what you're going to see here is a couple of them. Uh, we took them, digitized them. So if I walk forward, for example, if I walk back, I can walk around this space. I can go over here. I can go see these pieces of art on the wall here. How did you guys digitize their, their collection? Uh, it was manual. Okay, so uh, there's like no, photographing all of these yeah, pieces. They sent us photographs, and okay. we just 3D modeled them. Okay. Uh, so these are photographs of what's called a Bucciolati. It's uh, an artist out of Italy that makes these sculptures out of metal, Amazing. which is super cool. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of them. I got to touch them, and they're actually sharp. They're, the metal's very sharp. So you can see it's like a video game. I can walk around. Uh, let me go on full screen here. Yeah, this is like, uh, you know... Duke Nukem. Yeah, right? So In higher res. <laughs> in higher res. That, it, the way we're positioning is like we're, we're going to be like the Fortnite for shopping instead of shooting. Interesting. Right? Interesting. And because it's web-based, there's no barrier to entry. You can see we got real-time videos. And if I walk up to this uh, 3D object here, which you can see in the video, I'm mm -hmm. going to walk up. And now I have the full autonomy. So we took these 
you know, 3D objects. They were actually a little snuff box. And I when we built these, I didn't know how big they were physically. Okay. Yeah, right. They just sent us photos. It's a scale model, yeah. And what we did, we realized that this thing here is only like two inches by two inches. It's very small. Wow, so the detail's incredible. Yeah, it's piece. made out of solid gold. And then you built a vector version of it. We, we scanned it. Well, we had our team build it into 3D. So if I go across the top, you see some of them are really intricate. Like this one here, it's got... Um, not only gold, but these kind of inlays as well, which is super cool. And I'll zoom in a bit here. You can see what I'm talking about here. Wow. Yeah, really, really beautiful stuff. Wow. So, that, and that gold really looks realistic. That's an amazing. We're getting the there. We're getting the lighting. There. Really <laughs> we're getting there. It's, you know, that's the whole battle with 3D is how do we make it look as real as possible? Yeah. Like this one's got piano, black piano finish on it. These are really beautiful. And they're only two inches by two inches. It's like crazy. Two inches by one. Wow. Yeah. So it's a snuff box. It's so wait, sorry, is that snuff. a is that a mixture of photography and a rendering? No, it's uh, yes. It's photography and a rendering. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Now it's not ideal because it's very hard to scale that. Mm -hmm. Because like how do you do a thousand of these or fifty thousand? But at the same time, how do you photograph in three D the dimensionality? It's difficult, right? Well, we use what's called photogrammetry. So if you take, let's say, a hundred photographs of something and you throw it into a software called um, uh, Capturing Reality, it's called. And it'll automatically do it for you. What? It's a bit out of 3D. Amazing. Yeah. If photo stitches all that yeah. stuff together oh, using yeah. AI. Uh, I don't know that it uses AI, but probably somewhere in the background is using some sort of machine learning. Yeah. But um, the, the penultimate is how do we do this with, you know, six photographs, top, bottom, left, right, up and down, right? Yeah, as simple as possible. It's not possible just yet. You still need like a minimum of 100 photographs. You know, if you're doing a room like this, if you wanted to recreate this room from physical, you'd need, you know, probably a thousand photographs or something. Wow, this is really cool. Yeah, so this is a, one of the examples that we're doing. And here, let me find something else really cool for you. This was a prototype of the mall. We're like, hey, we want to build a mall. We built some crazy stuff. And then what we realized is that brand, it was too advanced for the brands, the stuff okay. that we were building. We're like, okay, let's make it look like a mall. Whoops. Yeah, because you don't want to be like, oh, you're in fluid land. And exactly. We built one called Boxland. Oh, Literally, wow. I'll show it to you after. But it was too far out for people. Right. They couldn't get it. And there's a, a term called skeuomorphism, yeah. meaning taking the real world and, and you know taking cues from the real world and bringing it in. We had to do this with this because it just was too too far advanced for people. So I'm gonna go into full screen. And you asked me about, um, you know, I don't know if it's gonna work because I don't know what cameras are connected, but you asked me about real-time video in mm -hmm. a virtual world. If there was a camera connected, it would pop up my camera feed here and I can now walk around, have a, a meeting with you and we can walk around a virtual world together. Maybe it's training, maybe it's retail, whatever. Um, and I can show up as, a, as myself and an avatar or, or. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I could jump, wee. We'll go into the non-branded. Do some shopping in yeah. the uh, Fago store. In the Fago store, exactly. We'll get a relax from downstairs. <laughs> so yeah, and this is all multiplayer. We can join in together. Actually, as a matter of fact, what I'll do, uh, oh, I can't do it from here, but I can I can set it up so we can go in here together and walk around. It's, um, That's it's all multiplayer. And of course, physics don't matter because you're in a virtual world, so we'll jump down to the first floor. Wow, she didn't die. No, no death. So it's shopping from instead of shooting. And I'll go in here and check out this amazing Harley-Davidson store. Uh, they're not a client, but that's okay. They, they will be eventually. And you can have interaction. So you can maybe see this motorbike from any angle, but you see the, the level of quality we're able to get on a mobile browser is wow. insane. No, I like that metallic sheen. It's just so nice. Right? And again, the reflections are accurate? Yeah, yeah. it's wow. reflecting off the skybox. So we have uh, full skybox PBR materials or, or physically based rendered 
materials. This is an incredible auto browser. Yeah. Yeah, we can push millions of polygons on a mobile browser now. That's our that's our sweet spot. <laughs> and so we're the only we're the only ones that can do this. What are the minimum bandwidth requirements to like shop in this mall through your browser? There's no real minimum, but I mean it depends on how big and complicated the shop is. For this one here that what you're seeing, this mall is a roughly 100,000 square feet. Like if you were to look at it from here and look at all all angles, both floors roughly about 100,000. Mm -hmm. So it rep represents about 10% of a floor in the mall. Right. Um, this will work on an iPhone 8 and above. Okay. But in terms of bandwidth, like the, the data that's... It's running on the device. So all you have to do is serve it once. And it, as long as I walk around in here, it doesn't. it's not loading any more stuff. But it downloads initially to yeah. your phone. So this project is probably... The whole thing is maybe 100, 100 megs. Wow, that's megs. small. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. big in 98, but now... Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. So the mall, the first floor of the mall, we just finished 50% of the mall, uh, of floor one, and it's massive. Um, like, it's a million square feet, but we could only, we didn't have time to build out a full million square feet, so we built out half of it. So half a million uh, square feet, and that project yeah. is 800 megs. So, But it's got a car configurator, it's got uh -oh. a room configurator. It's got six stores. Now, now I see, like looking at it, you know, on screen, it makes sense what you were telling me about, you know, the potentiality of, of uh, the way I look at it is putting a lot of knowledge in one place and a lot of experience in one place and one interface. Yeah. That's really the magic of this stuff. And this is all built drag and drop. Wow. Yeah. So the, the hard part where you need coding is to say, okay, I'm going to go into the store and I want to buy this Rolex, for mm. example, or this watch or whatever. I want to go buy it. Now, the hard part is actually not making it appear in 3D. The hard part is how do we connect this to their inventory management system? Right. How do we make sure when I click this, it pulls, you know, yeah. we have inventory, we can ship it to you, that sort of thing. So we actually, um, we partnered with a company called Bamboo Meta and they do all that back-end integrations for us. Nice. Because that's not what we do. So is it tied in, and is there a particular e-com platform that it no, will be done? Or on everything. You can connect to you know, Cisco or you know Shopify? SaaS, Shopify, Microsoft, Ooh. you know Oracle, whatever. Because big enterprise clients are the ones we're going for now. They don't use Shopify typically. Yeah. They use you know like you know SAP or you know whatever. Right. So yeah, fascinating man. This yeah. is super cool. Thank you for showing this to me. Of course, amazing. And you'll be able to buy physical and or digital goods when the mall opens. in fiat and or cryptocurrency. That's crazy. You can use all, all forms of payment. Yeah. With, and it opens uh, April 15th. Will there be a currency exchange on the floor of the mall? Uh, no, it's all automatic. You just put in your credit card or your wallet. It's all automatic. Yeah. So no one needs to go and buy the currency to spend. No, we're not. That's dumb. You're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Translate on the fly and don't charge yeah, people like, an upsell on the currency exchange. I don't care how you want to give us your money. We'll take it. Yeah. This is a whole idea of like, you got to buy in our currency. This is dumb. And then, you know, you look at Roblox. Okay. They're great. They got a, a system for taking your money from USD into Robux. And there's no real way to get it. Well, I guess you can, but getting it from Robux back into USD is... They don't typically like to do that. Okay. Right. So Keep the money on the platform. Exactly. Sort of thing. We're not playing that game. We're playing a different game. Look, if you want to build the metaverse, so to speak, or, or this infinite virtual world, the mall is is a fixed space. There's a hundred spaces. There's only a hundred floors and that's it. We, yeah. You know, a uh, hundred million square feet and that's it. But around the mall, once you leave the mall, it's an infinite virtual space. There's no limits to it. Okay. You're an OG technologist yeah. in a way. Um, 
Is this the new version of GeoCities? I don't even know what GeoCities is. Oh, you're not. Maybe I'm more, more of an OG. How man. old do you think I am? Shit. Um, okay, so <laughs> in the beginning of the commercial web, right in '97, yeah, '96, there was this thing called GeoCities, and GeoCities was a very interesting thing. This is a predominance of social of of, of search engines, right? Okay. Uh, Google didn't exist, you know, in okay. a real way. Um, and the search engines of choice were still no Alta Vista, Hotbot, and and so on. And Hotbot was the one. How old are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm I was only, like six when those things came out. I'm 42. <laughs> You're um, younger than me. Yeah, I was just into this shit, man. <laughs> I was like the first guy online in East Africa, man. Um, but so when all those early search engines ex existed, and Hotbot was owned by Wired Magazine, which oh, is interesting. Cool. Wired Magazine had for a short fleeting moment. Way before Nicholas Thompson was the editor, right? When it was uh, Chris, what was his name? Anderson, was it? No. Chris, no. Yeah, Chris Anderson. It was. Yeah, yeah, Chris Anderson. Didn't he go on to do TED Talks or something? No, that's a different Chris oh. Anderson. I think they have the same name. Amazing. Anyway, in the early days of Wired Magazine, they had a search engine. Unrelated to the search engine, was an alternative to a search engine for exploring the internet, which also doubled as a hosting mechanism for websites. And this whole thing, this was a time when people were playing with the, the gated uh, walled garden um, in terms of geospatial dynamics of the web. So did you want a website that you had to literally get featured in a magazine with a URL? Because that's the way it used to work. Yeah. We'd read those magazines about the internet. That was when you like, could still buy a .com. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that didn't have like foreign characters in it somehow or whatever. But so you would read the URL, you go to the web page, and then you have this exclusive experience of the web page. The web page wasn't necessarily tied to anything, except this was titillating. You would click on a hyperlink, right? And the hyperlink would take you off into the galaxy to some other bit of knowledge. Right. That was the magic of hyperlinking. And this is why I believe truly that everybody's talking about the metaverse and talking about the future of the internet. It has to be web-based. How else do you have this, you know this ability to go from virtual world to virtual world? And right. It has to be web-based. That's how we we do stuff. I don't know how much of your time is spent in apps in a day. Oh, I hate my apps. I don't. I don't. I really just have use my browser apps. open. Yeah. I got Slack, and you know I've got all the things tabbed. Yeah. I've got my Gmail, my you know whatever, all my productivity tabs, and then for most of the day, with the exception of Zoom, I'm just in a browser tab, going back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Me for the the same. I mean, it's just like VoIP. Gmail and that's about it. Um, yeah, but apps. even Gmail I use in the browser. That's on my phone, I guess, would be an app. Yeah. But I agree with you that the web is oh, yeah, everything. I guess it the web is everything. And in those early days, though, of GeoCities, it was interesting because what they were trying to build was a hosting infrastructure that was also an indexing infrastructure. Oh, wow. But where GeoCities had neighborhoods <clears throat> by theme. Mm. So if your website was about like film, you would be down Ventura Boulevard. Cool. In Hollywood or whatever, if that's the right super reference. Cool. Of course. Really interesting. Super high adoption. We haven't figured out how to, like, outside of the mall. So the mall is a fixed place. And the reason why it has kind of um, a price associated with it or, or limited is because everybody who lands in this infinite virtual world has to land in the mall first. Okay. So if you have a floor in the mall or a space in the mall, you can have them land in your space. From there, they can wander anywhere they want. They can go out into the virtual world. Right. But that is the central spawning point okay. of an infinite virtual world. 
that's why it has value because everybody has to come through there and funnel through your system, you know, and that's why it's value. It's, it's like when you leave the airport or you get off your airplane and they make you walk through the duty free, mm -hmm. right? It's the same idea, right? You have to go through them all to get through the infinite virtual world, which leads to commerce. And some, somebody's got to pay for this infrastructure of this infinite virtual sure. world. So we partnered with big companies to, to, sell to stuff build like it out. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I think I'm excited to see how people enjoy it. When does it officially launch, you said? So uh, it's launching to uh, influencers and uh, the press on um, first week of April. Okay. And then it, to the public, uh, April 16th, I think is the official launch. Exciting. Yeah. How are you going to tell people about this? So the influencers tell people about it. Yeah. So we've partnered with, uh, well, Mars Wrigley is our first uh, brand and they're going to, they're putting a huge marketing budget, budget behind this. Um, we just got a whole ton of press. We announced it at South by Southwest last week. Awesome. So yeah, awesome. we got a, a ton of press about that. Um, and we've got a, we've got $5 million in cryptocurrency to give away from our partners, Hedera. So we've, we've built, um, our blockchain infrastructure on Hedera, which is a, an enterprise grade blockchain. Okay. Um, we went, we chose them for a, a couple of reasons. One, they have always been environmentally friendly right from the beginning. They're, you know, 10,000 times less power than Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Not now because Ethereum went to proof of stake, but they've always been proof of stake. They've been environmentally friendly. They've been enterprise focused. So they're not trying to, you know, be the next, uh, you know, board ape or something. They're just focused on enterprise, boring stuff like tracking pharmaceuticals through the pipeline of production. Nobody cares about these things, mm -hmm. but they're secure. It's enterprise friendly and all the companies we work with don't want to have this, you know, security breaks and, and, you know, it can't have something that gets hacked. Sure. You know, so we went with Hedera. Um, they, they gave us a grant to give away $5 million in, uh, in HBAR um, to the first users of the mall. Cool. Yeah. You build, you make your wallet and we put some money in there for you. Start spending it in the mall. Right? Very cool. You can cool. even cash out. Like uh, we're not forcing you to spend in the mall. You can cash it out as cash. I mean, okay. the whole point of this is that, look, we want people to understand the value of not only the mall, but of cryptocurrencies in general. And once you have a wallet, then you can start participating. The problem is the onboarding of getting people into the crypto world Okay, I get a MetaMask, and I got to write down twenty-four words, and then I got to do this and that. Man, I lost, I lost so one I. of those things, and I had a notebook, and I was like, "Oh, I'll put it in this moleskin," and then you know, I change my notebooks all the time because I forget which one I was writing in. Dude, I have you one know? notebook in my house with a fifty-five, fifty thousand dollar, yeah, it's fifty thousand dollars or whatever it's in called, a moleskin yeah. in twenty-four words yeah. along the way. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, yeah. That I lost so much money. I even posted some NFTs. It's in my house. I minted a few <laughs> NFTs somewhere that were like my animated GIF art. Yeah. And I don't even know where those are or what the you hell. You see what I mean? Yeah. If that was just in your Apple or Google wallet, you'd be laughing. Exactly. So we, we decided to get rid of that and hold nonsense and cool. just streamline it. Super cool, man. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to chase the story, kind of like have you back post-launch. Yeah, it'd be um, super fun. We're going to do a bunch, uh, a series. We should do the interview from in the mall. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, we could just show up as avatars, record ourselves walking around. Nice. Yeah. If you're uh, listening to this in our audience or watching this episode, let us know your thoughts on this stuff. Uh, and uh, and if we're going to do a live experience through it, uh, maybe uh, pre-sign up by just dropping us a line. Yeah, you can uh, sign up for the mall. So uh, it's themall.io. If you sign up now, you'll get uh, invited when the influencers get in. Cool. So we have, um, we've got, a, you know, few people uh, signed up for that but yeah we're going to give it early access to the people that supported us from the beginning and you'll get all the goodies uh, before everybody else nice yeah well thanks for joining me in studio today oh, it's it so was wonderful. a pleasure to talk about some of your cool uh innovations along the way and now the mall and Cheers. all this goodness 
Well, I'm really excited to get them all uh, up and running and, um, you know, to start well. <laughs> Too cheesy? Wow, 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 Too cheesy? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>